We're going to jump right into it today. We're starting a new sermon series. Praise the Lord. <laughs> uh, I finished up Mark. It was awesome. Uh, but we're jumping into a new series for the next few weeks as we get into the fall. Some things will be changing, I think, around Family Bible Church. It usually does this time of year. Um, and, but I want to start where we always start with prayer. And I want to remember this morning as we, we're going to do kind of a, we always pray for you the Bible because we believe that God inspired his Bible to be written. It's his word to us. It's his word to us. If you ever want to hear from God, here's where we go to hear from God. People sit around and go, man, I wish God would just say something to me. And then they don't even open the book that he wrote. Um, and so not just the, the book, but the person the book is about. And uh, so we always ask the person the book's about to help us understand the book. That's why we pray. That's simple. Do it in your own life. Do it right here on Sunday mornings. We have no wisdom of our own. And even a man-made reading of this book will avail nothing but a Holy Spirit-inspired reading of his word will bring a great transformation. That's what I believe. So we pray before we enter the book. But this morning, not only do we want to pray as we enter the book, but I want to pray for our friends uh, in Texas and now our friends in Florida. Uh, I, I don't know how you were this morning, but I woke up to the TV on. That happens in our house sometime. It's already on and I'm listening. And, and I would not have been surprised if I looked out my window and I saw palm trees, you know, and the water coming up. I really was. And I looked outside and it's gorgeous here. And I kind of felt guilty. It kind of gave me a little whiplash. Like, what is happening? We have a lot of dear friends in Florida. I'm sure many of you have dear friends in Florida. I think most of us get the opportunity to avail ourselves to the pleasures of Florida sometimes for vacation, maybe special anniversary trips or things like that. But I was reminded this morning that we got lots of dear friends in uh, Florida and um, family who are down there. And I just want to keep them in prayer this morning in a real sincere way. So as we do these, we're going to pray for both these things at the same time and we're going to jump into the, the teaching for today. So just join our hearts and let's, let's pray together in this way. Uh, Father God, we thank you so much, first of all, that we could come into this place, uh, a middle school here in Highland, Illinois, and we can worship you. That, we, that you have called us forth again from death into life, from absence into presence. You were always with us, but once a week we recognize again, and our friends who come remind us, you are alive and well, and that you are caring for your people. And so we just thank you for another week that, that you have brought us here. We thank you for the opportunities we have to proclaim the truth of the gospel, that the, uh, this blue line is short, but the orange line is forever, and uh, we, we focus on that old forever line, Father, as we make decisions in our little short lives. Father, we, we, our hearts are, um, in this age, we see it, we can almost imagine being there, but we're not, and so we do lift up the folks who are in Florida this morning, and the folks who are in Texas already, and the folks who've been in New Orleans before that, and I mean, just it seems like all over the world, uh, something is happening with weather or with uh, humans hating each other, and Father, we just pray for, uh, specifically this morning, for Floridians, uh, wherever they are, um, some who are there right now, riding out a storm and some who have left their homes and do not know what they're going back to and they're in foreign lands they're in states and and shelters and uh, maybe and that's its own burden father so we just pray for all those folks this morning uh, we pray father that you would preserve life and we see these disasters coming um you've given us technology to see it and we are almost certain there's gonna be a body count that comes with it father we pray for minimal um death in this situation uh, we pray father that um lives be spared but father we also pray that your glory be made known um, as we, we believe we have so much control of our lives. We pray that maybe in these times we recognize that we are not the end-all be-all and that you are a very big God doing very big things. And so, Father, I pray that the storm would accomplish your purposes for it, whatever those are. But we see 
uh, you in it, we also see our brothers and sisters who are facing it this morning. So we pray for them as well. And then, Father, as we come into your house this morning to focus and turn our attention to your word, I pray, Father, that, that you would draw us near to you. I'm reminded of the communion of saints that we join in with, not just all the saints of all time, but all the saints of this time that we gather this morning together and worship you. We come this morning to hear from you. We do ask that you would uh, come to us, that you would teach us through your word, that you would inspire my thinking and my words, but you would inspire even more the hearing and the application of what your word says in the hearts and minds and lives of those who've gathered here, that you've gathered here for your glory. I pray, Father, that you would do that work. Only you can do it. I'm, I'm just telling you that confessionally, Father, that you are the only one who can transform lives. And so, Father, we depend utterly upon you for it. Would you glorify yourself, Father? your word be preached clearly to, your, to the glory of your name. We love you so much and we thank you. We pray these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Such an awesome opportunity. I don't know if you avail yourself with it on a normal basis. I don't know if that's the only prayer you have every week. I hope it's not. Like I hope in your life, in your quiet times, you find a way to get alone with Jesus. I mean, we have tons of time to, to, to think. I, I, we have tons of time. We're, we're transitioning between one thing or another in our lives that we could just spend talking to Jesus like that. I, I, I don't know if you avail yourself to that, an intimate conversation with God. I've had conversations with some people and, and they said to me, uh, man, I wish I could pray like that. Listen, you're just talking to the God who made you. And in some ways you go, he's completely different. But there's good news because he's just um, like us. I mean, he made us like himself. And so we can talk to him like we would talk to anyone else. Matter of fact, we can talk to him even more honestly than maybe we can talk to other people. And so I hope you're doing that. That's kind of what this series is about. We're starting to, uh, today called uh, Faith and Friends. And I, I wanted to think about this issue that I think is pervading our culture. Um, a lot of times you'll hear reports on, on news. We talk, I, I know, I was thinking, I started you know, praying about this, and I'm like, I feel like we've just talked about this. I feel like we just covered these things. Um, I remember one time I heard a, a pastor was uh, preaching a message and the congregation, someone came forward from the congregation and they said, um, Pastor, I think you preached that message eight times in a row. And he goes, yeah, and I'm going to keep preaching it until we are changed. <laughs> you know, I feel that about this issue. I feel like we go back because it matters. You, you hear all kind of stuff happening in the world about um, medical diagnosis and about problems and about life and death issues and about layoffs and futures and employment and, you know, the, the environment, all these things. I mean, we get lost in our fear of all these things, but there's something that I think is even more prevalent than all of those things combined that ails our society and ails many of us. Maybe, and maybe you're thinking I'm being hyperbolic. Oh, that's too much, right? But, you know, I think the biggest problem I see as I visit with people, as I inspect my own heart and life, as I hang out, is an overwhelming sense of loneliness. I just feel like, you know, I was thinking about this. I mean, I'm a married man. And there are days I feel lonely. And that's no slight on my wife. I just think we have that, that sense often that we're alone. If only I had a few more friends. If only I had a few more people to journey with. If, if only I had a few more people who had my back, right? 
I think there's no end of irony in our day of Facebook. By the way, I don't Facebook. If any of you have Facebook friend requested me in the last like three and a half years, I'm not ignoring you. I don't log on anymore. I'm just not going to do it. And I get requests sometimes. I appreciate that. I try to text people back, but I don't because it's ironic, isn't it? Well, it's become like one of the most terrifying places to have friends. <laughs> what are they going to think of me? What are they going to say about me? Who, you know, who else is seeing what my friends see about me? Is that what a friend is? I mean, in the series, I'm hoping we're going to talk about some models of friendship. Um, there are good models of friendship in the Bible, and there are bad models of friendship in the Bible. And I want to talk about all the models so that we can be better friends and maybe find some better friends. I remembered, we talked about this before, because I remembered specifically referring to the verse where God says in the beginning, it is not good for man to be alone. And I referred to that when I talked about this before. We, we, ought, we are made to be in community, and it's just ironic because many times, and last week, actually, I kind of talked about this, if you weren't here, about this idea that um, many people say, I love Jesus and not his church. I don't love the people of God, I just love God. And that's a weird thing because God didn't make us to love him without loving each other. That's not how he designed us. In the garden, his intention was that we would be together that we would have spouses, that we would have children, that we would grow the community of faith, that we would enjoy him forever in all of our humanity, in all of our createdness. And this is God's plan from the beginning. He calls it very good, and uh, it, it's just not, it's not good, right? So I know we've talked about this before, but I want to think about it again. And I want to think about differently this time, about some models of, of friendship. And so as I've been um, preparing, I want to I read a, a verse. I'm going to ask you to turn there uh, in your Bible. If you didn't bring a Bible, grab one off the end of the chair roll and open it up. We're going to look at John 15, 9 through 17. I mean, I want to read that. And then we're just going to talk about one verse in here today. All right. So John 15, I'm going to start in 9. I did that because I was going to just talk about 15, 15. That's the verse we're really going to think about. But it just always seems like we're cheating Scripture if we just pull a verse out like that. Even though it's profound, we want to talk about what's around it a little bit. So to be fair uh, to what the Lord has revealed. So here we go in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, this is Jesus speaking, by the way. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. 10. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed the, my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this. Mike Dumsdorf, this verse reminds me of you every time I read it. Listen, I have told you this so that my joy can be in you and your joy can be complete. Praise the Lord. Picking on Mike because he talks about the joy of the Lord all the time, right? All the time, man. But Jesus said, I'm telling you this so that my joy can be in you and your joy can be overfilling, complete, full. That's the fullness of his joy. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Here's 15. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. But instead, I've called you friends because everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. 
What a great passage of Scripture, right? I mean, what an awesome word from Jesus to his disciples. We just finished the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, where we went through the whole life of Jesus. I want to talk about um, who is Jesus talking to here? I think it's important when we read the text, we go, okay, who is he talking to? Um, what's the context of the conversation and why is he saying it, right? And then what is he saying? What's it mean? And, and so the first thing I want to talk about is who is he talking to here? Does he, anybody know who he's talking to? You can almost always almost always guess disciples and be right. Jesus was always teaching his disciples. There would be times he was crowds, but then he would still take his disciples and teach them, right? Those who were willing to learn from him. There were big crowds that would come and they wouldn't really, they would listen to Jesus, they wouldn't really learn from Jesus. There were people who would say, I'm going to learn from Jesus, and he would teach. This is disciples. He's teaching disciples here, right? Um, which disciples exactly? Or we can ask this question. Uh, when, when did it happen? This will help us understand a little bit. Uh, this is recorded in the Gospel of John during the Passover feast when Jesus, after Jesus has washed his disciples' feet. I don't know if you know that story in the Bible or not, but there's a story in the Bible where Jesus gets his disciples together in a room. They're all hanging out, eating. He knows the time has come, and he knows his Father has empowered him to do all things, and in all that power, he wraps a towel around his waist, he p takes a basin, he puts it under the feet of his disciples, and he begins to wash their feet. You remember, Peter protests this. No way. And Jesus says, if I don't wash, your, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Right? You're not part with me if I don't wash you, is the way the word reads. So that happens. So then Peter gets his feet washed, you know, and, um, and he goes on. After that, he teaches this. After he teaches this, he's arrested, crucified, and, right, and raised. So that's kind of where it happens in the context. So we are at the end of a very long journey. I mean, you're, you know we're looking at um, uh, John 15 here. So we're, we're toward the end of this uh, gospel as well. Um, and so... But he's invested a lot, you know, so who's he talking to? One, one more key thing I want you to know. When he's washing those feet of the disciples, there are 12. Uh, when he's teaching this, there are 11, right? Um, Judas has gone to betray him at this point, and he's teaching 11. I think it's kind of important to notice that. Yeah. Sometimes in the Bible they're called the 11, like the 11, like the magnificent seven, but it's like the magnificent 11, right? The ones who remain faithful to this point, he continues to teach. That's cool. So that's who, who he's talking to is the 11. Uh, some will refer to them as apostles, but we're going to talk about that because right now they're just disciples. They're, they're not apostles, they're disciples right now. They are hanging out with Jesus. They have been sent out, but they have come back and they're with Jesus and they're learning from Jesus. That's who he's teaching to. Uh, when did he teach it? He taught it after the foot washing and before he was arrested. And, and then what was he teaching? What is Jesus saying to these 11 that is so important here? It seems like an important moment in his life. And that's what I want to kind of talk about in 15. We're just going to sit in 15 a minute and talk about this verse. Hear it again. I no longer call you servants. That's the first thing he teaches them. I no longer call you servants. The, the word can be translated slaves. You know, there was an idea. <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever seen 
Maybe you've apprenticed um, at a, uh, at a, in a job or you've, you've served in some way where you were the lowest guy on the totem pole and you, you may have felt like a slave. As a matter of fact, sometimes when you get a new gig and you're the early, you're the, you're the, they call you the greenhorn or wet behind the ears, they will make you do things just to see how serious you are but be wanting to become part of this group. Interesting, I, I don't know that Jesus ever referred to them as slaves, but he says, I no longer call you slaves. I no longer call you servants. The word is doulos, right? I, I'm not going to refer to you that way. What would it matter? What would it matter? Look at what he says next in 15. I don't call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. That's the way the NIV translates it. Another way that it reads is like this. I no longer call you servants because servants don't know what the master is doing. Do you hear what he's saying? Servants don't know what the master is doing. Servants don't need to know what the master is doing. Servants can do or die, right? You, you do it or you're fired. That's a servant's role. You don't get to know why. I ever tell you, whenever I was a, a kid, my favorite question was why. Why? And no matter what somebody told me, I'd say, why? I was in the church growing up, and, and I would always ask, why? <laughs> what do we do? Why? What are we doing that for? <laughs> you know? And uh, servants would get to ask those kind of questions. You were just a slave. You, you don't have a right to know. Uh, let me uh, think about some ways that we might be able to relate to this a little bit. Now, it's not true now. I heard today that 7,000 National Guards were called up in Florida, right? It's not true now, but there was a time not so, not so distant uh, past where people were conscripted into the services. It was a draft, right? It was a lottery. I, I don't know, but based on some of the people that served, you were not a winner but a loser, you know? And people who didn't go felt guilty. I mean, there's lots of dynamics. And people, I don't volunteered, but there were people who were conscripted to serve against their will. And um, I'm not a huge, I'm sure some of you are more astute in the military heritage and history, but based on my understanding of some of the experiences of serving when you have going against your will, it wasn't a great experience. As a matter of fact, um, there were people who would say they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> the people on the field, they don't know what they're doing. I recently heard a, a really tragic thing about um, an approach that militaries have, but about approach that our military even seems to have sometimes, where it's nothing more than meat on the lines. And there's something in us that just is offended to think of another human as meat on a line. If you're there against, now, if you're there against your will, what, you know, they're idiots. But do you do it? Yes, you do. Because you have to. You don't have a choice. It wasn't a great, I'm just saying, it didn't create great relationships. <laughs> Does that make sense? If you were forced to do things that you didn't understand, that you didn't get to choose to do, all right, not everybody's military, I'm sure. I mean, that's maybe more of a secondhand information. Let's try firsthand information. How many of you ever had a, had a job where your boss is an idiot? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't raise your hand. He might be, no. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, that's what we think. 
And we think that, listen to me, when we think that our boss doesn't know what's happening out here. They're idiots. They're way up in their ivory towers. They're way over there in the big cities. They don't have a clue how it really is in the real world. And we live in that space of, of telling ourselves and others that, that, that truth. You know why? Because you're a slave. That's why. Because you're meat on the front lines. Because they don't care about you. This is the true experience, actually, of if you think your, your job is ultimately the biggest thing in your life, and then the company lets you go, you can be a little shell-shocked. What? And you can think, well, A, um, you know, uh, that could never happen to me, and that does, and you don't understand that, and B, they're doomed without me, which usually we find out is not true. <laughs> they go on just fine without us. But one thing you learn for sure is they don't care. They don't care. Heard horrible stories about people getting laid off on Christmas Eve, laid off on Thanksgiving, right before the holidays, right before the birth of a baby, right before marriage. Fired. You feel like meat on a line. Jesus said, listen, I no longer call you slaves or servants because a servant does not know what his master is doing. That's the first part of the teaching. Jesus says to his disciples, you're not slaves. You're not servants. But, and I love this, I call you friends. What? I call you friends. Okay. You know, we, we say things like, Jesus is my friend. <laughs> um, do you know Jesus calls you a friend? Let that sit for a minute. Do you know that Jesus calls disciples who are learning from him friend? There's an implication here, isn't there? When he says, you're not this, but you're this, he's comparing these two different things. You're not a slave, you're a friend. What's a slave? Doesn't know what the master's doing. What's a friend? What does he say? I told you everything. The Father told me. I told you everything. So you can see clearly that a friend of Jesus knows what the Master's doing. You could say a friend of Jesus knows God's business. Chris talked this morning about the, that blue line, how far down that line, our job, our career, our retirement. Like, what Jesus is saying is, I've revealed to you what I'm doing during your blue line. I've shown you what I'm doing. I, I've told you what I'm doing. All right. Let's go back a minute. Redeem a little bit of the stories. I don't know how often it happens. I never had the opportunity or the pleasure or the um, whatever you might enter, you know, adjective of serving in the military. There was a time I tried. They didn't take me. But you know, you see that moment where the colonel or the sergeant or someone in command calls someone else into their office and they have to give them tough news. But they know these people and they say, close the door. I want to speak off the record for a minute. 
right? Or they say a really hard thing, you're going to have to do a really hard thing, and then they say, now off the record, I want you to know, this is not my first choice. There's something in our humanity that we go, yes, that's a human relationship. That's not meat on the front lines, you know? You know what I'm saying, right? Like, a different conversation. Same authority, same structure, same overall goals, but a different relationship where they say, close the door, I need to talk to you privately. I know this is hard. I know this is going to cost your family a lot. I know we're asking a ton of you. But this has to happen. It's not, it's not even up to me. And you follow up the line. And if, again, if it's relational, the next guy up says to that guy, I know this is hard. I, I'm saying, I don't know if that happens or not. Maybe it's a whole bunch of door slamming, blam, hard-edged. But there's people in there, man. They're people. They have to be. We cut ourselves off from our humanity when we don't relate to each other honestly like that. Okay, let's go back to the boss. You know, same thing. I have to talk to you. We're letting people go. This is killing me. In other words, it's a different relationship, isn't it? It's a completely different relationship. And I have sat in those rooms. I sat in the room where the employer and the employees didn't care about you at all. And I've sat in the room where they cared deeply for you. And it wasn't about what came of it. It was about the relationship. It's as if it's happening to me. Let me tell you why we're doing what we're doing. Let me explain what we're up against, man. If there's any other way, I wouldn't do this. This has to happen. And you can go, okay. And it's different. It feels different. Same results, same outcome sometimes, but a different relationship. And, Jesus, and what you would say after you leave that's a friend of mine. You know what I'm saying? You move on, you do other things in life, you look back, you go, man, that, that person was a great manager, a great coworker, a great boss. They're friends of mine. You see them on the street, you don't hate them, you don't avoid them, you love them. That's what Jesus says. I don't call you slaves, but friends. I've told you everything the Father told me. I think it's kind of weird that NIV says everything I learned from the Father. He says, I, what it really, it says, I told you everything that I heard. Jesus was just relaying information as the Father revealed it in real time to the people of God, right? He wasn't holding out, you know, he wasn't like, you know, manipulating people. He just said it in the moment. It was very, if you read the Gospels, I'm telling you, it's very uh, authentic, but it's very intimate, very intimate teaching, very relational Jesus would say, close the door. I want to talk. Like a friend. This is the difference in the way Jesus relates this. And he says, everything the Father has made known to me, I've made known to you, or everything I heard from the Father, I have revealed to you. I've hid nothing from you. And so, uh, what, what does that mean when he says that? What is revealed to us? His disciples. I mean, are you a disciple of Jesus? Talk about being a believer of, in Jesus. Interesting, isn't it? Um, the disciples were disciples before they were believers. Are you willing to learn from Jesus? Are you willing to sit and go, I'll, I'll listen to you. I want to hear what you have to say. I want to hear your commands. I want to be in relationship with you. What does it mean that he has revealed um, his business to us, what he is doing? This comes at a time 
when the, the tables are going to shift, and we've covered this, but he's about to be arrested, taken away, and ascended into heaven. And this is what he says. Love each other. Love each other. When he calls them friends, by the way, the word is philos. Philos. And that's what we're talking about the entire series is this idea of philos. It's a relational love. It's, it's not agape, right, for God to love the world that we heard this morning. That's agape. This is philos. It's brotherly kinship. It's affection. It's experiential love, which is probably part of the problem. People say, I love Jesus, not the church, because they don't get to experience God like the church does for fear of hurt or failures or something else. They miss it. Here's the thing. When you think about, I just want to, okay, so I just want to think about what God is in the business of doing. Um, you could look at our culture, I mean our church culture, and you could think God is in the business of having big buildings. Because there's lots of big, awesome buildings, you know. Um, you could think that God was in the business of raising money because God needs money. <laughs> God doesn't need money. God doesn't need money. I'm just, you can think, there's all, listen, God is in the people business. He's in the people business. That's the totality of his mission and ministry. That's, I hope, why you've gathered here this morning. Because God loves his people. That's why I come. Because God loves his people. And he's in the business of people. If you look at scripture through that lens, you begin to see all these things line up. How did Jesus interact with disciples? Hey, come follow me. How did he love those who were hurting? He would get a hand on them. How did he heal people? He touched them. How did he relate? It was intimate. It was in the people business. You think, it's really funny, but you know, I've heard it said, there were more efficient ways for God to reveal himself to all the world, but he chose to go in a man. One person, one touch, one relationship. Like that, like that, like that. God is in the people business and this is what's crazy. If you believe that God is in the people business and you believe what Jesus says is true, that we are friends, not slaves, then he has invited us to the people business. Do you ever think about, <clears throat> um, I had a lot of family businesses growing up in my family, an extended family, and, and getting in the family business was a point of pride, you know? Get to be part of the company. Get to help us succeed. You think about that. And you think about the reality that God, he said he's revealed to you everything he's doing. He's, he's showing you everything he's doing in this life. And we are invited into that. Listen, I hope you look at the scripture. What does he say? You're my friend if you obey my commands. And my command is this, love each other. Love each other. We had a conversation, the leadership team here at Family Bible Church, and we were talking about our need to just love people where they are. The tendency we have in Family Bible Church and in, uh, in our own personal lives, I'm not blaming the structure here, I'm talking about us, to not love people and judge people instead. He doesn't say judge people. This is my command, judge everyone. This is my command, sort out the righteous from the unrighteous. You know? This is my command. 
love one another. Love others. We're invited into the people business. Now, some might protest and say, now wait a minute. He's talking to the disciples. He wants these 11 to love each other. That's it. Love the church, right? The next brother or sister that you bump into in the streets that is not believing in Jesus the Savior, that is not believing he's Lord and has no relationship with him, that is not a disciple, is a potential brother or sister in Christ. I, I want us to see that. I want to see it myself. I want to realize in the moment whenever I'm going to get angry with somebody, I'm going to have my way, I'm going to express something. And I look and I go, wait a minute, you're the next person that God is inviting into his family to call a friend. And let that be where I live my life. Not in this life, well, I love my brothers and sisters, but I don't love those people. Come on. That goes nowhere. We are adopted sons and daughters. We are friends of God. It's crazy. I'm just telling you, that's what the Bible says. Friends of God. The command he gives is this. Love one another as I have loved you. I want to say three things about this, and then we're going to wrap this up. Three things about it, right? In this moment with his disciples, he is in a deep relationship with them. He knows who's at the table. He knows them. As a matter of fact, before Judas left, he gave him the bread and said, go do what you must do quickly. He knows Judas too. He, he's in relationship. The second thing is, he's in a discipleship relationship with them. He, he's teaching them. They're learning from him, right? And so when we think about Jesus saying, love each other as I have loved you, right? We might want to jump ahead to the cross, well, Jesus gave his life on the cross. I'm going to give my life to other people. Jesus isn't on the cross yet when he teaches this. That's what hasn't happened. He hasn't given his life yet for the sins of all time and all people and all, world, all the world. But he has been in a relationship with them. And he has discipled them. He's taught them everything that God's revealed. Un, he wasn't holding back, man. You know, that, that's, that's another problem, isn't it? That God shows us things and we keep it to ourselves. That's for me, right? When God teaches us something, maybe it's for somebody else. And you won't know unless, you, unless we say it. He's in relationship. He's discipling. That's how he loves people to this point. He loves us on the cross. Don't get me wrong. But we're not called to die on the cross. Jesus died on the cross. We're called to love one another. All right. So in wrapping this up, I want to put out a challenge for us. Um, next, uh, in, in this series, I just really feel like, and maybe, you know, after this you say, you know, you're wrong. Loneliness isn't an issue. We're fine. I don't need any more friends. You know what I mean? I don't need any more Facebook friends. <laughs> you know, um, what, what about the people? I mean, can we walk through life and look, look and see who's around us that might be in that boat, that might be lonely? Next Sunday, there uh, is the, this thing that started up in, I think, 2009. It's called Back to Church Sunday. And it's such, a, it's such a simple concept, but they're like, hey, you know what we should do once a year? Just invite everybody back to church. <laughs> I bet this morning as you sat here, you think, man, 
there's somebody in my life that I wish, I wish was here with me today. I just wish they were here with me. Just to have a coffee, a donut, you know, hang out, sing songs together, um, get a hug, you know. I mean, they just, I wish they were here. Next Sunday's like, let's invite them. Let's ask. Hey, you want to come with me to church? Now, this is kind of a weird thing, um, but I, if, if it won't work if we don't believe we're inviting to something that's worth having. Do you think these relationships are worth having? And if we do, why would we keep them to ourselves? Why wouldn't we say, come hang out with us? Next Sunday. By the way, it's happening, like I said, the 17th of September, all over the place. And um, I, had, I had thought about this a while back, and then it was off my radar. I'm like, oh, that's next week. Let's, yeah, let's just invite people. Let's invite somebody to church. Here's this um, idea, because I thought, yeah, I don't do that. You guys do that very well. I don't do that very well. Like, I, I've, there are people, and I'm like, this week, though, because I was preparing for this, there were people, and I'm just like, you got to invite them to church. <laughs> you know? You just got to say, hey, you should come to church. It'd be good. I'd love to see you there. It's a practical way to begin to love each other, because you can't love each other if you're not in a relationship, right? And so, uh, and you don't have to invite them here, but I'm saying you can, right? It's one of the things you can do. Um, but I'm not good at that. And so I heard this idea of, of keystone habits. And this is a really weird thing, but um, it's how we can apply it. What can we do? If Jesus called us to love one another, how can we be to love one another and love more people all the time? How can we grow in love? And it's through practice. And uh, th- this, this idea is like keystone habits or it's um, um, trigger words. That sounds really bad, doesn't it, in today's culture? Trigger words. But, you know, like, if it's going to be a bad thing, when you get triggered on bad words, how about get triggered on some good words? Like something to be blessing to friends and, and family and neighbors and coworkers or whoever else, you know? And, and so I totally stole this idea. This isn't my idea. I stole it from someone else who, who said, there are three times that we can always invite people to church. By the way, this someone else is Andy Stanley. If you've not been here before, there's a black book in the back by Andy Stanley called How Good is Good Enough. That's our gift to you for hanging out today. We love you. Take it with you and read it. But he, he has these three ideas, and he said, these are things that you can always do. And when you hear him, we should just say instantly, you know what? You should come to church. And he calls them the three knots. He says, when you hear a friend say, things are not going well right now, our, our knee-jerk reaction as believers in Jesus Christ, as those who are gathering together every week, worshiping and growing together, should be, you know what? You should come to church with me. By the way, notice, not you should come to my church, you should come to church with me. I'll meet you there. I'll hang out at the door until you get there. I'll come to your house and pick you up, or you can come pick me up. I'll ride together. We'll grab lunch after. Things are not going well for me right now. You should come to church. Second, kind of trigger, keyword, um, I was not ready for this. I never thought this would be my life. I never thought this would happen. You know, whatever it is, you know, lost a job, had an affair, whatever it is, got a divorce, sinned egregiously, was sinned against egregiously. I never thought this would be my story. You know what? You should come to church with me. I'll meet you there. I'll pick you up. It's not going well. I'm I'm not ready for this next chapter of my life. And then here's the third. Um, I'm not from here. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not from around here. I don't have any friends. I just moved here. You know what? You should come to church with me. I'll meet you there. I'll pick you up. 
it's kind of funny because you think, well, you know, why? How are we going to invite people into relationship with Jesus Christ as a church? I don't know if you're like that. You think, man, um, I'm going to have them over to the house, and we're going to have dinner, and then after dinner I'm going to say, talk about Jesus. <laughs> you know, you're going to do, listen, come to church with me. I guarantee you, listen, Family Bible, if you bring someone to church in this series or any time, we're going to talk about Jesus. <laughs> I just guarantee you, if you want a way to have a conversation with a friend about Jesus, just invite them to church because we're going to talk about Jesus at Family Bible Church. I guarantee you it's going to happen. It's going to come up at some point in the day. <laughs> what a great way to do it. I'm not ready for this. I never saw this coming. I'm not from around here. You know what? You should come with me. Why? There's a community who loves you. Man, there's people who love you. There's people who want to tell you you're not alone. There's people that want to tell you that God loves you. Listen to me. There are days that I need to hear someone say, Bill, God loves you. The church. Who else is going to say it? The church. Pray with me, if you will. Father, we thank you so much for your church. Sometimes we uh, act as if we figured this out, that we came to you on our own, that we um, sorted it out. And, uh, but God, your people came to us so graciously and just invited us to hang out. And somehow in the mystery of your Holy Spirit's work and people's convictions and their courage and invitation and the preaching of your gospel, we have been saved, that we've been invited in this relationship with you. And Father, forgive us for the times that we've kept to ourselves. We said, ah, oh, this is me and Jesus and nobody else. Father, if that is your will for us, then make that known. But if, if your will is not that, that you wouldn't, if, <laughs> that if you want us to tell other people about you, make that known in our spirits. Make it known in our spirits that you want us to be people who love others like you've loved us. We admit we need you to do this with us. And so we ask that you would help us to do it. Father God, I know today you've brought to mind people, maybe tens of people, maybe hundreds of people that we thought, man, I would just love to be hanging out with them. That you brought those to people to our hearts and minds today. I pray that you would bring about opportunities to just be honest and love them and be where we are as disciples of yours and say, you know, you should come learn with me. It'd be awesome. Help us to love people like you love us. Help us to love people right where they are. Help us to love people without having some expectation that they act right or do the right things. That they, you just lavish your love on us sinners. Help us to love like that. And the Father, a prayer of our heart, prayer of my heart, is that they would come to know you as a friend. That they would be so enamored with the truth that they would just go out and invite people themselves. You've got to know this Jesus I met. It's totally different than a religion. It's, it's a relationship I have. Help us to be part of that work. It's ridiculous you've invited us into your business. I pray we'd be faithful at that invitation. May you be glorified. You are worthy to be glorified. May we work. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.